Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marchessault fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marchessault. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Wallace and playoff beard Millard down at T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Hey, do you know the origin of the playoff beard? Um, no, I don't, but you can tell me. Let's go. Just thought I'd bring it up when yeah. you mentioned the, the beard. Well, it's it's coming in nicely. Uh, no, it's not. It's. I mean, it's not terrible. Uh, I'll shave How? before I go on TV again. When are you going on TV again? I don't know. Oh, okay. So I just let it grow for a couple of days. Anyway, <laughs> the playoff beard actually happened by accident. It was not some kind of uh, playoff uh, tradition like where we went. It was the New York Islanders uh, mm. and their dynasty started. Mm. And they were a big, burly group to begin with. And uh, and it just uh, teams started started copy them. They, everybody else had a beard. A few of the boys had beards, so uh, the other guys uh, jumped on board. Now, uh, Brad Park said when he got traded from the Boston Bruins or signed with the Detroit Red Wings, he tried to create a playoff beard atmosphere during the regular season. Yeah, as a playoff push, and he said it didn't work at all. One, it was a bad beard, and the other one, they they like stumbled out in the first round. I, like, I don't know if a beard could truly be bad. Like, I mean, I've seen some, like, terrible attempts at beards, but yeah. that's just because guys can't grow beards at that point of, of their life in the in the playoffs. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of beards, obviously. I think playoff beards are fantastic. I can tell you that the, the marketing department at the league level is not a big fan of the tradition. <laughs> because players, when they, they go through this big run and fans – watched outside of the St. Louis market or yeah. uh, the Tampa Bay market and they see these players, they only see them with these big scruffy beards on and it doesn't do anything for recognizability because after the, then the next time they see them, they're all clean shaven. So the likeness is never uh, consistent. Well, in, in fairness though, like it, it does create something that fans some fans can can kind of partake in with the team on yep. their run, so I, I think there's a degree of that there. But I don't know. I, I love the the idea of playoff beards. I I love the idea of a team just wearing how long and arduous and difficult the task is on their faces. I don't see any with the the Golden Knights playoff beards. No, I mean like maybe not in like the, the traditional sense. Traditional I, sense. I think that. But then there's the New York Islanders. Lou Lamorello doesn't uh, doesn't allow it, right? You know he does in the playoffs, but uh, the the facial hair during the regular season. season? Yeah. No, no, no. Like, and I think that's honestly why Kyle Palmieri has become good again. Like he's scoring goals again because he's got his beard back. Might be. I was um, I was wondered about uh, not allowing the facial hair the, or growing the facial hair. Like, how much impact are we really uh, having here? But anyway, I thought I'd uh, let that uh, grow on you a little bit. Well, I think you should let the, the beard grow for as long as the Golden Knights are in the playoffs. The problem with my beard is now it's white. 
Uh, yeah, I can see that. And and number two is it doesn't really like it gets to a certain point where I go this this actually feels good, mm-hmm. and a day later I'm like this feels terrible. You got to get through that stage where it becomes itchy. Yeah. And I've never like been you, able to fight through it's that. It's a mental tough, toughness thing. I'm not very mental tough. I get it. I'm I'm weak when it comes to that. Uh, so how are you feeling about tonight? So I've had some pretty strong feelings through the the majority of this series. Today it was not so much a strong feeling about this game, more so than it is just an overwhelming idea that this is where the series comes to an end. Like, obviously, that's a long way of saying that I think the Golden Knights are going to win tonight. But uh, just based on the way that, that the games have been going and the bounces and the fact that the Golden Knights were able to get that win in Game 5 and that Colorado's faced with a three-game losing streak, I, I mean, there's a lot going uh, in, in my direction in terms of thinking that the Golden Knights are going to close it out tonight. You look at this series, and we're kind of where we thought it would be, uh, a one-game separation, yep. uh, game six, uh, and and just uh, the balance between the two teams. Both teams have won a blowout. Both teams have won a game on, on home ice that they probably were outplayed a little bit. And then you've got that one outlier that uh, where Vegas just played a really good game, and but it was close down at the end mm-hmm. uh, in in game three. But how we get to three two is different. In Colorado, winning a pair mm-hmm. to establish a sizable advantage, and then Vegas coming back and winning three in a row, first time that a team in the thirteen games. Uh, this year has won three in a row against each other. That's that's a little different. I didn't expect that. Yeah, I, I feel like kind of in, in this game particularly, if the Colorado Avalanche don't get off to a good start, and I'm not necessarily talking about goals for, goals against, but just a good start in, in that they're controlling play, it almost feels like there's an inevitability of what's going to happen to us next, right? Like yeah. in game three and four, the Golden Knights were very, very good, limiting everything. Nathan McKinnon hasn't had a point in three games. And for the Colorado Avalanche, that's uncomfortable. That's not necessarily something they've dealt with all year long. So right now, if something goes against them, whether it be a bounce, whether it be a bad penalty that turns into a power play goal for the Golden Knights, I just feel like there's there's that, that inevitable deflation that's right around the corner, it seems, for the Colorado Avalanche. And, and sometimes I think we, we look at it the way we feel yeah. as, as human beings. But professional athletes are so good at being able to rinse something. Yeah. And that's that's the ability that they have to bounce back from a, a three-game losing streak and turn it around. Um, quite honestly, like Colorado blitzed it down the stretch and then won their first six of the postseason. Must be a little staggered right now to find themselves in a, in a 3-2 series deficit and facing elimination after how great everything's been for the last two months. And i that's where I think the first round for the Golden Knights is, is kind of paying dividends here. You had a battle against the Minnesota Wild, and yeah, it went seven games. Yes, there were opportunities to close earlier, and it didn't happen. The Golden Knights were pushed by Minnesota, and that never really happened for Colorado against St. Louis. So this is really the first time that the Colorado Avalanche are dealing with that type of adversity in the playoffs. Uh, Jared Bednar will be behind the bench of the Colorado Avalanche tonight. 
There was some speculation that he would not be available due to the fact of a, uh, sounds like a false positive yeah. uh, COVID test, but uh, they've straightened that out. So uh, the uh, the Avalanche will have their bench boss uh, behind the, uh, the bench. And St. Louis is kind of, like Colorado was uh, the benefactor of what happened against St. Louis during the first round when all those false positives came back on, on a game day. Vegas had it too, but it wasn't on a game day. Uh, so I, I wonder if there's uh, any disruption there. I'm also, uh, a little birdie told me today that, uh, <laughs> tweet, tweet, I've got the birdies floating around my head all the time, but a, a little oh birdie told me today that all may not be well on that avalanche side. Hmm. Due to President's Trophy winners won their first six of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and then when, they, when the Golden Knights won game three, I remember the response from Jared Bednar yep. to his team. Yep. It was strong, uh, very stern, very critical of the effort of his team. And I don't know whether how much truth there is to this little whisper in my ear, but it wasn't received very well in the sense of, hey, we lost one game. Right. Like, chill out kind of thing. And part of that, I think, was coaching, mm-hmm. uh, pressing buttons, but maybe – not all the time you press the, the right buttons. And uh, it'll be interesting to see when this whole journey is over, uh, how much there is to that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And, you know, I, I kind of remember at the time that I found the the comments after Game 3 a little harsher than they, they necessarily needed to be based on all of those factors you just talked about, right? And the score. and. Yeah, I mean, it was a one-goal game. It, it was certainly a winnable game there for the Colorado Avalanche. They had a lead with, with just about seven minutes left. So, like, I, it's, not, it's not to suggest that you're not trying to find the winning formula. You're not trying to find a way to get more out of your team. But when you lose for the first time in the playoffs and you're two rounds in, maybe you save that. Like, maybe you keep that in your back pocket if you're Jared Bednar Maybe that's where you go after game four, not necessarily game three. Yeah, it's uh, one of those gut feelings yeah. that, that coaches use. And uh, Shane and I were talking today on nighttime at noon, almost like, like a parental too, right? Yeah. Like, how, you, how you parent. You're not always going to press the right buttons uh, in, in that regard. So uh, that's just uh, was whispered to me today that, that there might be a little disconnect between uh, the coach and the players after that. And you saw – a much more supportive message after game uh, four mm-hmm. and and again after game five. Uh, the, the one constant between both coaches, though, has been playing that underdog card. You've, you've heard it from yeah. both Pete and Jared <laughs> uh, at numerous points during the series. We've got the two best, it's, and I find mm-hmm. it uh, fascinating, we've got the two best teams in the National Hockey League tied for points. Yep. Uh, Vegas had more wins. Colorado won the tiebreaker uh, for the President's Trophy. As close as you can possibly be. And several times in the first five games when they've spoken, they've talked about the other team uh, being a high-powered unit and and they've been counted out or uh, people are against them. And and it's just, it's, it's funny to hear... Across the board, it's unanimous. They're the two best teams in the National Hockey League during the regular season. How can they both be underdogs? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because you know, then you've got Tampa that's sitting over over there saying, 
hey guys, we yeah. exist, right? Like, what ends up happening if, if either Vegas or Colorado ends up playing Tampa in, in the cup final? I want to know what happens against Montreal when one of these teams <laughs> plays Montreal. Like, Montreal can't be the favorite. You can't be the the underdog Is, against Montreal. I mean, you you can't. But, I mean, like, let's let's just say for the sake of argument, depending on whoever... It doesn't really matter who the opponent is. If, if no. the Montreal Canadiens come in, Carey Price steals two games, then all of a sudden you've got to find something that you can rally around. Whatever team it is, Vegas, Colorado, it doesn't matter. You're going to bend those narratives to what you need in the room at the time. And I think that, you know, Pete DeBoer, Jared Bednar, like they've been pushing those buttons as best they can in this series where it's quite literally two juggernauts just going at it. And... There really isn't an underdog. They're just two really evenly matched teams. Uh, what do you think the vibe will be in this building compared to Game 7 when the, the Golden Knights last had a chance to clinch the series? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a little looser. Yeah, uh, I, I do too. I don't think it's going to be as anxious or uptight just simply because, um, you know, for the Golden Knights, this is one of two opportunities, right? Like, obviously, you don't want to get to a Game 7 if you're Vegas in this situation uh, because, you know, then your season's on the line too. But I do think that there's, there's, you know, not the immediacy of with a loss, it means the end of a season for the Golden Knights. So I do think that this building is going to be a little bit freer, a little bit looser, and I hope a lot louder, if that's possible. Well, I don't know whether that's <laughs> even available uh, to them, to the uh, the world, the atmosphere. Uh, by the way, if you're going to head to the game tonight, if you're going to partake uh, in the atmosphere in T-Mobile Arena. Like start start heading here now, yeah. And because yeah. it's uh, traffic's uh, going to be congested, but some people missed out on the uh, the start of the game the other day because of uh, some congestion. And just if you want to be in your seats for nighttime for the pregame warm up for the uh, festivities, uh, you got to get down here uh, as uh, as early as possible and uh, make sure that uh, that you're not just running around and and and, and it's stressful. Uh, it's it's already like even as early as we get here Mm -hmm. uh it was uh filling up outside in uh, toshiba plaza so uh there's 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 that part of it uh when you when you talk about the the atmosphere like game seven against minnesota they were coming off consecutive losses Mm -hmm. and missed opportunities to close out a series and there was uh, certainly some anxiety anxiousness about don't let a three-one lead get away again. Don't, <laughs> please, not, not, not for the for the second time in in uh, three years. And um, so there was that part of it. This is different. They've won three in a row, mm-hmm. and they've won three in a row against the best team in the National Hockey League. Right. Statistically. Yeah. Uh, I think there should be uh, certainly, if you call it looseness, uh, I would agree with that that terminology. I think the, the the fans will be ready to go right off the bat, not waiting uh, for something to happen. Yeah, I, I I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be an, an incredible atmosphere and and one that, you know, I think tonight, as as much as a game seven atmosphere can't really be beat, it can't be topped. I, I do think that because the circumstances surrounding this game are, are so different. And because it's a game six, not a game seven, and because the Golden Knights have an opportunity to close the series out, that this is just going to be a fun, rowdy, exciting building to be in from the puck drop to the final horn. I wonder what changes Vegas will make tonight. 
I, I, I wonder if Ryan Reeves goes back in. I, I do. I, I mean, I, I wonder if that's if that's where, you know, Pete DeBoer has a lot of a lot of decisions, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and he has not been afraid, as you pointed out yesterday on the show, to tinker with a lineup, even though he's getting the results he's looking yeah. for. So. You know, I wonder if Ryan Reeves gets back into the lineup, and I, I think that there's there's a lot more room to grow in terms of their overall game for Matthias Janmark, Nick Waugh, and Alex Tuck. I think that line can be an absolute force in this game. Uh, back end, he's moved uh, pieces around between Haig and, and Holden. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever speculated about lineup changes when a team's won three in a row in, in a playoff series. <laughs> yeah. But it's... To, to speak to how weird and unique this season is, like the Golden Knights are as healthy as they've been all year. Mm-hmm. Nosek being the, the exception that, that's out. And that just does not happen, Ryan, in, in late in a second-round series. Yeah, and, and kind of the balancing act that you've got, not just in terms of this series but beyond, is you can't have guys sitting for too long between games, right? Like you've got to try to find a way to make sure that everyone's fresh and you're going to need energy in this one. Like the Colorado Avalanche are going to be desperate. And and if you think that, that there's a player you can insert, that's going to give you that extra step, you got to make that decision. It's, it's a tough spot for well, Pete DeBoer. That's a new way of thinking. Uh, not having people sitting there for long periods of time. Yeah. Because, there's a period not too long ago, Ryan, where coaches wouldn't fiddle with a lineup unless, whether even wins and losses. But if you continued to progress through a Stanley Cup postseason, you didn't change your lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think back, and this goes back uh, a few years, but Yuri Slager was picked up by the Detroit Red Wings at the trade deadline and played like seven regular season games with Detroit, nowhere near enough mm-hmm. to get his name on the, on the Stanley Cup. And then didn't play at all during the first round, the second round, the third round. Mm-hmm. And the clinching game of, of that series, Yuri Fisher got suspended. Mm. And Yuri Slager went in, <laughs> played his one playoff game, yeah. and because it was a f- game in the final, yeah. Got his name on the Stanley Cup, but that was that, that was Scotty Bowman coaching that team. They went all the way through. Here they picked up a veteran, good veteran defenseman mm-hmm. at the trade deadline, and Yuri Slager never even got a sniff through the ups and downs uh, of that playoff run. And now we're seeing Pete DeBoer go through this, and maybe it's part of of what they went through with the compacted schedule this year, and uh, and being able to to insert people or take people out or just the 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 depth that they have. It might be just as simple as that. But he's not afraid to to tinker with his lineup. No, and I, I don't think that he he should be. I mean, you look at kind of the, the work that he's done and the changes that he's made throughout this series, and it almost feels like every time he has made a decision, how he has made a change, you've gotten an even better game out on the other side. And you know, I think a lot of that part of it has to do with the players that you you're you're looking at putting into the lineup. Like Braden mm-hmm. McNabb seems like it's an, it's a no-brainer, right? He's one yeah. of your best defensemen, especially when it comes to penalty killing, especially when it comes to to just defending in zone. So that that makes a lot of sense. Matthias Janmark, the, the last full game that he played in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he had a hat trick. Like those are players that you insert, but 
you know, I, I think that, that kind of the, the dance that Pete has done with Keegan Colasar and Ryan Reeves and Patrick Brown and Nick Holden it, it, to, to not necessarily overwhelm those guys but put them in positions where they've got energy and they can come in and provide a spark, he's, he's really been able to push those buttons all throughout this playoff run. It, it doesn't, and maybe uh, you get a different opinion, uh, share it with me. It doesn't feel like Patrick Brown is a player that's going to be coming out anytime soon unless like the, the performance goes massively in the other direction mm-hmm. or there's an injury he it it just in in listening to pete and then watching patrick and the and the uh, pressure that that fourth line has put on whether no six healthy or not patrick brown looks like he's secured a spot i mean i i certainly think the way that he's played and, and what he's provided to this team would would be would indicate that but you know at the same time i i it's a tough one because we all know what ryan reeves brings to the table right we all know uh the type of player that he is and and the intangibles in terms of leadership that he provides so um and then i guess you know the question is if it's not patrick brown is it keegan colasar who again has big block shot in the final five minutes of the game like he's been very good so it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world that pete deboer has a, a a bunch of guys in in the the bottom six that he counts on in these moments and that are making these decisions a little bit more difficult, right? Like Patrick Brown has come in, secured a spot, and he's making a case for not being taken out of the lineup. And that's best case. When you've got a guy coming in, he's got to prove, right, that he shouldn't be taken out. And Patrick Brown, to this point for me, has done that. You know what's been impressive? Outside of the first game and that blowout, defensively, some goaltending has a huge part in this. Yeah. But defensively, boy, Vegas hasn't given up a lot. Mm-mm. And uh, that group, the, the forwards get a huge amount of credit for what they've done in the neutral zone. And then defensively, it's just a different series against Colorado than Minnesota. Where the chances are coming from, uh, the, the defending, it's a, it's a different challenge, but it's a challenge that they've really been up to the task on. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, with, you know, and we talked about it earlier on in this series with Alex Petrangelo, who has been so good and so elusive in his own zone at making the right play and getting the Golden Knights out of their zone and and, and transitioning into offense, yeah. right? And when you aren't allowing Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton and Gabe Landeskog and the, the Colorado Avalanche to get extended zone time, that in turn makes it a little bit easier to to force them to defend and not really have to worry too much about your own end. And and I think that Petrangelo's been so good in this series at just being able to relieve some of that pressure at key points. Um, you're seeing exactly why Alex Petrangelo is a part of this team, why he was that prize free agent. He's been phenomenal, and it's gone a long way to how the Golden Knights have defended the Colorado Avalanche. It's Sports Talk Radio at the VGK Insider Show, live from T-Mobile Arena. Rehearsals going uh, on behind us. Uh, the drum line doing their thing uh, ahead of Game 6, in which the Golden Knights have an opportunity to clinch a spot in the Stanley Cup semifinals, the third round for the third time in four years. I love uh, picking out like who's been the best player in the in the playoffs or who's been the best forward uh, during this series. Jonathan Marchessault and his ability to convert uh, certainly has been that. When you talk about the blue line, who's been the best defenseman in this series? It's Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, doesn't have anything to show for it offensively, 
but I are we ready to turn the page? Is everybody willing to uh, put aside what they were declared to be missing out on mm -hmm. in the goals for what you're seeing on the ice? If Alex Petrangelo continues to play this way, mm -hmm. and I, I see no reason to believe that he won't, you're you're not going to hear, I don't think, any anything to the contrary. Like, he has been so good. He has been so good in terms of, of what the Golden Knights have needed from him. And I... But that was a conversation earlier, no, right? No, yeah, it was. And, and, and I'll be honest, like, in terms of Petrangelo, and, and I think a lot of it comes from his run in 2019, right? Big goals, huge goals for the St. Louis Blues en route to a Stanley Cup. And you you want to see that right now. But when you factor in what he's doing defensively, when you factor in how he's able to relieve pressure, how he's able to get the Golden Knights out of sticky situations in their own zone, that's so valuable. It's so valuable. And then you look at the game that he had in Game 5. Seven shots on goal. Yeah. Like everywhere. He is everywhere. He's great at continuing to, to pinch in down low, keeping pucks down in the offensive zone. I, I've loved his game this series, not just the last two games, not just the last three games. I think he's been a difference maker all series long. And I'm not so much worried about the goals anymore because I know they're going to come. Like he continues to play this way. He continues to, to be a threat in the offensive zone. Even if it's not goals coming off of his stick, he is factoring into the offense. He does have three assists. Yeah, that's in, set up to Marsh so the other night. He does have three three assists in this series and, you know, on big goals too. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not concerned about where the narrative is going to be with Alex Petrangelo because I think this is this is the, the play you can expect from him from here on out. You know how uh, hot the Golden Knights are right now? Is I'm getting ticket requests. <laughs> or people are float, like DMing me on the, through, through Facebook or, or Twitter. Hey, uh, I met you 15 years ago. I live in SoCal now. Or I, I, uh, I went to school with uh, Ryan Reeves' mom, and uh, I'm a buddy of so-and-so, and I live in Texas. I'd love to come over and experience the vibe. I, I'm getting – I'm nobody, and I'm getting ticket people like – I'll pay. I don't don't mind paying. People are just pumped about uh, what's <laughs> happening from outside the Las Vegas Valley. They want to come and see and be part of this thing. It's awesome. Well, I I mean I know you're popular and everything, but we can. I mean we can do without this. Hey guys, I'm popular. No, I'm seeing <laughs> that that people think that I can actually get them tickets. Can can you not? I got Sam tickets the other day. Well, Sam I Nash. that might be part of it. But I didn't advertise that. Uh, they they would have no way of, of doing that. I'm just it's it's not about me. It's it's yeah. about people from everywhere want to come and be part of the party. Well, I mean, this is the hottest ticket in town. Yeah. But I think it's the hottest ticket in the NHL. Like, I agree with you totally. It, it really is. And and what you know, again, where we're at in terms of of this this organization and what they've built in four years, like this is the place to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Awesome. Uh, we'll take a break uh, as we continue to tee up Game 6 from T-Mobile Arena. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. For sure, it's a cliche that the fourth one is the hardest to win, but it, it really is. They they have it all on the line today, but we we got to make sure that we put it all on the line too. Uh, we got to treat it as a Game 7 for us too. We got a big opportunity here tonight in front of our own our own fans, so uh, it's a really big game for us, and, and we really got to look at this as 
as a game seven for us and, and don't look beyond that. Uh, we got to put everything we have into it and, and hopefully come up with a win. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. From Section 117, overlooking the goal that Marc-Andre Fleury will stand in, guarding for the first and the third periods. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, Game 6 of the West Division Final. Golden Knights can close it out with a fourth straight victory and advance to the Stanley Cup semifinals. Uh, Ryan, do you think, that, and that was Matty Yamark uh, talking about uh, the mentality going into tonight, do you think there's a difference between trying to win tonight or trying to avoid a Game 7? Do you understand what I'm meaning there? Um, I, In a way, kind of. I, I just think if you're the Golden Knights, understanding how much a seven-game series took out of you entering the second round yep. and understanding that the Montreal Canadiens are waiting around and they are getting healthier and they are resting. Um, I don't know that it's about, it's about avoiding game seven insofar as it's just about let's finish business right now tonight because we'll give ourselves an extra couple of days. Uh, the challenge uh, facing the Golden Knights uh, doesn't get any steeper, but I think we might appreciate a little bit more with the finalists that have been announced for the year-end awards uh, over the last uh, week. Philip Grubauer is a finalist for the Vesna Trophy Yep, uh, against Andre Vasilevsky and Marc-Andre Fleury. Yep. Kale McCarr is a finalist for the Norris Trophy for top defenseman yep. with uh, Adam Fox and Victor Hedman. And today we learned that Nathan McKinnon is a finalist for the Hart Trophy, the league MVP, uh, challenged by Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. The Colorado Avalanche have uh, nominees for best goaltender, best defenseman, and best player mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. And that's what the Golden Knights are facing in this second round. Yeah, and I think, again, it, it kind of highlights just how good the Golden Knights have been in this yeah, series. Yeah. It it highlights how well they have defended Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and how well they have played and, and how they've been able to get to Philip Grubau. So, I mean, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Game 6, but we, we can't lose sight of just how special these two teams are and how much fun this series has been. So who is the favorite? What, in this in this game? Yes. Whew, um, I mean, the Golden Knights have won three in a row, so... By by definition, they should be favored to win tonight. But you know, I I don't know. I I think you you got a game where the Avalanche are going to try to play that under underdog card. But I think the Golden Knights have the same energy. I think I think they come in. They they are looking to prove to the world that they could win a series. People told them they couldn't, and and I think that that kind of outweighs where Colorado's at right now. Uh, Philip Grubauer was victimized for five goals the last time that these two teams met at T-Mobile Arena in Game 4, a statement game uh, for the Golden Knights. And then Vegas went up to Denver and won in a building that just nobody had enjoyed any type of success and grinded through a road game 
and managed to find a way to win that game. And I think the spillover from that, winning a game where you didn't dominate like mm-hmm. you did in game two, game three, and game four, but played a really good road game and, and still being able to win that game has to give them confidence. Yeah, 100%. I, I do look at game five as, as being one that fuels Vegas and kind of deflates the Colorado Avalanche because Colorado played a good game. They, they were perfectly fine in that game, probably deserved a better outcome, but they didn't get it. And, and when you play well and still don't win <laughs> after two games where you didn't play well, you were dominated in terms of possession, in terms of shots on goal, in terms of all those metrics that you look at. I think that that's got to be very frustrating, and I'm curious to see how much of that frustration is still on the faces of the Colorado Avalanche when they play this game. The series that we anticipated, that we were looking forward to, that we were hopeful of all year arrived and now is at a potential ending point with the Golden Knights trying to win four straight. Let's bring in Chris Chapman, catching up with Chapman. uh, You have about 90 seconds to discuss your thoughts on game six. Well, I I think they kind of echo what Yanmark was saying. You have to approach this as it's a game seven because I think the last thing in the world the Golden Knights want to do is not win tonight and then have to go back and then be forced to win a game seven in Colorado. I think... We, we kind of figured this was going to be a game. Well, at least you said it was going to be a series where it was going to be a home team hold serve. Yeah. And then for the Golden Knights to win the series, they would have had to steal a game in Colorado. I don't know if they want to have to steal two games in Colorado. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. I, I, I feel like they are the favorites tonight just based on the fact that they've played so well in this building. And, uh, you know, they're coming off three straight wins. Let's Let's hope they close it out tonight. Uh, Alex Petrangelo's due. Uh, I think Chandler Stevenson has been kind of quiet, at least when it comes to uh, production. Is he due? Where where do we see this going tonight? Mm, VGK pregame show is coming up, Ryan. Yeah, it is. It's going to be fun. I'm preempting myself. I love doing that. So hour number two of the VGK Insider Show will step aside, be replaced by the VGK Radio Network, uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas pregame show ahead of Game 6, the Golden Knights trying to wrap things up on home ice and advance to the Stanley Cup semifinals for the third time in four years. What an evening in store at T-Mobile Arena and on your radio. Enjoy it, everybody.